Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Welcome back, listeners, to another AfterBuzz TV after show for Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. On this episode, we're going to be talking moments of heroism and paying tribute to our fallen soldiers. We're going to be talking battle tactics and finding purpose for the characters. Do they have their destiny fulfilled? Do they still have one left? Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz. Hello, everybody watching and listening at home. I'm your host, Ryan Malati, and I'm joined by, well, the best panel you could ask for. Let me introduce them real quick. We have to my left a news journalist whose unhealthy obsession with Game of Thrones actors, both on and off the show, makes her a perfect panelist for this. For this panel, her name is Anna K. Targaryen. <laughs> Hi, guys. Nice to see you guys again. Um, down the row, we have a USC professor who, for this particular episode, spent hours studying Sun Tzu's Art of War. <laughs> and so he's perfect for this panel. His it's name all about is Jeremy Giantsbane. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the strategery. Oh, the strategery. <laughs> Indeed, and we will get into it. And to his left is the perpetually lovely Lady of the North. She has warlocks in her families and has been a co-host on this show for many, many years. Please introducing Kristen Elizabeth Stock. Yes. Thank you. I have warlocks in my family because I'm from a circus family, which I'm making a documentary about. Amazing. <laughs> so they're not just like warlocks. I'm not just like living in the house of the undying, okay? Mm-hmm. Like I'm from a circus family. It's not the house of black and white. It's like the house of brown and gray. Exactly. No. <laughs> no, come on. We live in there circus tents. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Steve. You know, you can always tell when it's a joke when he does that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, guys, you know what? Let's just jump right out of the gate here for this episode. What are your, what's your overall thoughts, favorite moments? Like, what happened in this episode that stood out that you really want to talk about right out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, this is a quieter moment, but I love Grey Worm and John stepping into their own, yes. finally realizing there's a bigger purpose and it's not just what's immediately in mm. front of you. Grey Worm leaving his troops when he knows it's time to draw the bridge. That and, moment. And knowing yeah. that he can't save them. You can see him wanting to, but I really see that he's had such growth in his character. And then John walking past Sam as Sam's being attacked by the Whites. Another great moment of John realizing there's a greater purpose to what I'm trying to do here. So, fantastic. Perfect. This show is not sparing the children. So, we have <laughs> Lady Liana Mormont. Not that her uh, her death is a favorite moment, but her continuing badassery. I mean, from her opening scenes coming on Bear Island in the, uh, in the court to everything she did in the uh, King of the North speech and all of those things, she just, in her, what, maybe eight to ten scenes, had just... Total attitude, total facial expressions, and I uh, was a total hero and badass. Well, Very I don't cool. really believe you guys because I think the best <laughs> moment of the show was when Arya yeah. comes and drops the dagger down to the other hand and 
stabs the Night King yes. with Shatter's glass. You just reenacted it. That yes. was good. Oh, She's a Stark after all. Oh my Kristen God. Stark. We're all sitting there um, watching. By the way, you you can go ahead and check out our watch along. You can watch us watch the episode oh live yes. on um, youtube.com slash afterbuzztv sci-fi and afterbuzztv.com. Um, and also, and also I, what? I've been reading a bunch of your reviews on iTunes. Have you now? And some of them are nice. Thank you. Yay. But some of them are not so nice. Like they, they got really mad at me last week when I said that John couldn't be burned because, okay, Everyone makes a mistake here and then, but like I watched that episode very recently, and he he did. I didn't see wraps on his hand. Apparently, you guys did, and Jeremy said he heard it sizzle. So it happens. But somebody really criticized me in the iTunes comments for saying that he wasn't really hurt by that. But I didn't really feel like he was, and I obviously he's a Targaryen. So you know, like you guys just you're rating us, you're subscribing. If you want to participate in the conversa- conversation on YouTube, you can see if you leave a comment. We always reply to a lot of those comments. It's really fun for us. But don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Leave us those positive reviews on iTunes. We're, we're getting a lot of good ones. Yeah. And we're rotating hosts. I think you guys like that, getting somebody, a new monitor in here and there. But, you know, we love when you give us those five-star ratings. It makes us be able to be the ESPN talk of TV. It makes us be able to put on this show for you guys. So keep giving us a thumbs up. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a great rating. We love reading those. We do read them. We do read I them. I read your comments on YouTube. I love your predictions. So just keep doing that. You can watch us on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, on iTunes. Where else? There's a bunch of places. Spotify. Spotify Shazam. Is yeah, all, any of your favorite platforms, yeah. you can check us out. Thank you guys for your continued support. Uh, we obviously read the comments. I read so, them, and, and, and they I felt make us feel things. <laughs> they make us feel feelings. So, but honestly, they're really. I've read through those comments on our videos, on these videos here, and you guys, there's really no better forum or better place to have a really engaging uh, insight into mm-hmm. the Game of Thrones fandom. Mm-hmm. I mean, this particular fandom for Afterbus TV is like nothing I've ever seen. I mean. It blows Reddit out of the water, I'm telling you. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, the reason why, I, and thank you, and the reason why I brought that up is because on our watch along, you could just see all of us just like, when she drops that Night oh King, my like, gosh. what? I was yes. actually handling the watch along over? What were people saying oh in the chat? Oh my gosh, it was wild. People, Some people saw the Arya thing coming as soon as, you know, she was with uh, Melisandre. Other people didn't know. Huge moment, though. Our chat blew up. People have been commenting the entire time, which I love because it's really fun to sort of man that. Mm-hmm. But it blew up so I'm excited to talk about that later tonight yes. wait. let's get into it well let's get into it so our first topic of discussion is moments of heroism and the reason why we're calling it that is because there's a lot of people who met their end I feel like going into this episode a lot of it a lot of the conversation surrounding it was hey who do you think is gonna die mm-hmm. who's gonna yes. die in this episode and we definitely had a few so in kind of a chronological order I guess we'll go ahead and start with Ed Ed. He's been with us from season one. Oh, no. he has. Little cutie. He, he rose the ranks from just a you know a scrappy scrappy do to Lord Commander <laughs> of the Night's Watch. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and he got some good payoff lines when he showed up at Winterfell to, <laughs> to do his role. He kept his watch. He he's the last of those guys essentially really in that night, Night's was, Watch with the vows and all of that. He was great. What, what, what was that one line he used in season one? Like, join the Night's Watch, dig a lot of holes. You know what he's talking about? <laughs> That's, <if> I, north. <laughs> <laughs> north of the wall when they're looking for something to burn. Yeah, they got nothing to do but dig holes. Huh? Just dig some holes. But Ed, 
they're going to be digging one for you. Actually, no, they're probably going to burn them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we saw those pyres. We saw those pyres lit up. Yeah, it right at the end. Yeah, in, the, was, in the preview. Thank you nice. for your service, Ed. They, uh, yeah. And now, and now his watch has ended. <laughs> his watch oh, has yes. ended. It was nice to see him, like you were saying, Jeremy, really standing up to the bitter end with Sam. The two guys sort of left um, that we really care about from the Night's Watch, and I just thought it was a very fitting ending for him, while not being exaggerating, but paid homage to his service in the show. Do you, th do you guys think that, what do you think the future is for the Night's Watch, considering that the Night King has been destroyed and the wall has kind of been broken down and the Lord Commander is dead? I mean, is there a future for the Night's Watch? Hopefully we don't need it, but it sounds like 10,000 years ago, the, the White Walkers there was another war with them. So hopefully they won't come yeah. back. Hopefully this is the end of them. But don't know if we can say for sure because history does repeat itself. Well, in the near term, there's a lot of real estate up there that's unmanned know, because John brought that. everyone back. <laughs> we remember his line from a couple of episodes ago saying, no reason to stay up there. So we pulled them back. So they're either with the, or no one's with the Night King now, but they're either uh, at Winterfell or maybe journeying back home. Exactly. So I guess we're going to have to see who takes up command of the Crows. If there is, if there be is one. that, I know I love nope. though that we have had the wall because it's basically like I don't like our prison system in you know America and how they just all sit in cells and basically you know prisoners got to go to the wall and serve and they were taught skills that they wouldn't normally and they mm. were made use of for you know a bigger purpose and so mm. I actually really liked that so hopefully their new political structure involves something where, you know, if you've committed a crime and you've been outlawed, there's somewhere for you to go. And Getting serve. topical. And hope, awesome. Yes. Well, and, <laughs> and hopefully at this point their, their main their main um, purpose won't be to fight and kill wildlings, Exactly, right? but it's going to become folklore again, the same way that the Night's Watch, they were like, okay, are there is there really an army of the dead? Is there, you know, the White Walker? Is this mystery? Mm -hmm. So give it a certain amount of time and you're going to have, you know, little Jon Snows or whomever hmm. serving at the wall, believing that it was a folklore. So uh, History is cyclical, exactly. isn't it? Um, let's, uh, let's pay homage to our next heroine, <laughs> one, one of the fan favorites. Miss Lady Mormont. Jeremy's favorite. Jeremy's fa favorite moment. That's weird, but that's a favorite moment of yours, Jeremy Dan. Well, it was, it was a notable moment with a lot of action and, and great character work that's been built up, just how tough as nails that little bear is. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and now we, we might be looking at the end of that, that house, so it might not just be the end of her as a character. Uh, we're, we're pretty sure we'll get, you know, what happened to... Jorah, but it could be the end of that house as we know it. Yeah. I love the visual of this tiny little human taking on this giant, this giant. Yeah. And I think that when you extrapolate that into life, and as I like to do with the show, it really, it, it it really doubles down on this idea of no contribution is too small to the greater good. Mm -hmm. And we all fell in love with her character for her feistiness, her sass, like everything about her. But in this moment, you really start to, I think, you look inward and you think, okay, wow, like we all have some of her inside of all of us. Definitely. And like just when you thought she was going to go down, mm -hmm. she pulls that dragon glass up and hits him in, in the, the eye. eye with it. Like who saw that coming? I mean, she's literally being strangled. This little tiny girl probably doesn't lift a ton of weights, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't right. see her like working out in the gym. Right. But she's got that yeah. heart and you know, she really took she took down a giant. Yeah. And, and I don't know if this was foreshadowing, if, but if you remember back to Battle of the Bastards, John essentially took the courtyard and, and took on Ramsey with a House of Mormont shield. So House of Mormont was the shield for that courtyard and mm -hmm. defended it again. 
Now, do we know we if that, that giant happened to be one one or is it just a giant? Like, Didn't do we look know? like one one. I think yeah. it was just another giant. If, yeah, you, if you think you have an opinion on it, please leave us a comment. We'd love to read that. But yeah, it just goes to show that you know it doesn't matter your size or stature, but it's your attitude and your tenacity and yep. your willingness to take on the world that make that could make all the difference. Yeah, as opposed to when Joffrey was leading. I mean, he wouldn't fight down there like she would with her men. So it just showed how much she was willing to sacrifice and put on the line to be with her people. It really was a powerful moment. Um, let's uh, let's pay tribute to the man who won't be coming back to us. <laughs> he came back what seven times? Oh I my believe? god, six, six, yeah, six times, and and he fell for the seventh. I guess you. I don't know. Well, the I math mean, is off. Yeah. Barak Dondarrion. He was raised six times. This mm. is his seventh death. Seventh so. death. Okay. Unlucky number seven. <laughs> right. Yes. The seven pointed seven star. Seven pointed star. But man, did he like drag along his oh feet my God. down the walls? <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, Barak's done. Nope, here he comes. He's like waddling <laughs> through the gate, like and dragging all of his legs. Like I don't even know how he made it through the door, but he did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he stopped for a second. He looked like he was holding them off. We were all like, oh, what a noble sacrifice. <laughs> And then, then he burst through the like door. That. Like, what? Oh, nope. He's still going. He's still going. But he needed to. Well, we thought he was going to say maybe like some last words or something, but he didn't. Um, he just sacrificed himself for Arya. And what a moment of heroism. I mean, that. And it wasn't even. It didn't even leave much of the imagination. Like, Melisandre was standing right there saying, yeah, that's that was his purpose. It reminded me of the uh, Willem Dafoe scene from Platoon, if you remember from Platoon, as he is running through the jungle, just getting hit by bullet after bullet, just like Beric was stabbed time after time, and just finally gives it up in that on-the-cross moment. Uh, Beric Dundarian was almost martyred there in a way, but uh, gave it up uh, big time. I think the people, when they were stabbing, he might not have had any organs left from all of his wounds. So they might have been missing <laughs> most of the, the vital organs, but uh, right. give He's, it up for him. He had a, he had a big moment and, yeah. and, and took out a lot. He was, he, that's his best skill in fighting, I think we've seen him do in the show. It's taking hits? No, that, that hallway <laughs> fight. That hallway, the fight. hallway oh, fight. I mean, it really felt like he was holding himself up with his arms like his legs had been taken out at that point and he was like getting through the hallway on his arms it was insane do we know what happened to his sword is that gonna be through it right is that gonna be kind of is that a relic is that something that only he can kind of ignite or Mm -hmm. is it kind of a an enchanted you know if you guys know please let us know that's not something i'm too familiar with his his particular sword i would say the hound Oh, that's a great point, yes. Because he convinced the hound to get over his fear, and it would be kind of symbolic for that flaming sword to be Mm -hmm. the hound straight up now. Oh, that'd be amazing. I love that. Beautiful thought. I'd like to see that against... His brother. Yes. Yes. The, the mountain. Ha- the, yeah, Clangane Bowl. He's got the fire now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Very cool. So some, there's some, still some Barrick in possible, you know, storytelling in the future. So he might in, come back to us in spirit. Yeah. Um, well, there's a big group of people who fell for this war, and we should pay tribute to them, the Unsullied. I feel yeah, like yeah. the Dothraki as well, but it just felt like the Unsullied... <sighs> kind of fell as kind of a unit. It seemed like they were almost one person. Yeah, they protected the retreat. I mean, how many people did we see running back through the castle gate? 
and they just stood their ground. Not yes. a single one of them ran back Time in. and time yeah. again, we've seen the Unsullied step up when the time is right, and Grey Worm's leading of them was so fantastic. I t- touched on it earlier, but mm-hmm. I just love Grey Worm, protect the retreat. We have mm-hmm. to protect at all costs. There's a bigger war that we're fighting here. It's not about us getting back. It's about protecting the people that are still back and can still fight. How mm-hmm. surprised are you that Grey Worm is still alive? Shocked. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the shocker of the episode, aside from Arya killing the Night King. I'm like, Grey Worm? He's still with us? What? How did this happen? How did he survive? He was that? number one on most everyone's list. Yeah. 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 Masande will be very yeah. happy. They'll have a, a night to remember, I'm sure, when she welcomes him back. Uh, on the final tribute to the Unsullied, though, and we see there's still a, a couple formations of them left. We see them marching through the courtyard in the previews. But uh, Daenerys essentially freed them, says, You've been slaves. Uh, I've, I've, uh, now you're free. Your chains are broken. And they all stayed. Right. with her and stayed with the cause and stayed for the cause of the living. Think about Stannis's army of sellswords and mm. with the first c- couple of bad signs, they just took off and, and halved or less than that, mm-hmm. uh, took more forces uh, than that before the battle with Ramsay Bolton. These guys stayed the course and they were pretty amazing. As a, a character on Moss, they were really reliable. Yeah. I would say, what else would they go off and do in life, really? That's been their whole life's Aww. training. Sorry, but I don't see them exactly yeah. taking up another uh, trade. I'm not sure. But I do want to pay tribute to Open up to a cupcake the, shop. I don't know. Okay, join Hot Pie. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but the Dothraki, you did touch on it for a second. Mm-hmm. But just that scene yeah. where, you know, Melisandre had lit all their swords and then just seeing them That's in the distance mm-hmm. and all those lights go out, that was like the opening to this war, the Great War, and we were just all shocked. And what a beautiful well, um, cinematogra- cinematic, cinematogra- yeah. cinematic moment because they didn't hit us over the head with their deaths. Mm-hmm. So what a beautiful right. thing to see the the swords light up, to see the lights go out, and then to see some people running back. Like I just thought uh, it showed such restraint yeah. on the the cause of the directors and the writers, and I just thought it was such a beautiful way to to really lead into this great war. When the when the two forces met. That was like one of the most terrifying scenes. Terrifying. I've seen yeah. in they this built show it up. Yeah. And you didn't even really see anything, right? And you like, weren't yes. hearing very much. Yeah, and the well, the uh, the heartbeat music, is mm-hmm. that what we were hearing? It was like this, you know, dun dun. dun I don't think dun, at that dun, point. Dun. No, was that a little no, bit later? That was definitely later. I mean at that point it was sort was of silence in. and we were just watching. That was your own heartbeat. The anticipation is a powerful tool. Um and they they executed it brilliantly. Um, let's let's go to our next fallen soldier, and and our third topic today will be finding purpose, mm-hmm. and so some of these themes kind of overlap, um, but and let's we'll talk, talk about, about more of those later. And, we'll, and we'll talk more in depth as to their destiny and, and has it ended and has it been fulfilled, um, but let's talk about the moment of heroism for Theon Greyjoy. I mean, or how Theon many Stark, people did he call take That's out with those arrows? I mean, just that scene at the end, we saw what? Like hundreds of men. He stopped from getting to Bran. Yeah. I've he, been... Har- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go. I've been harsh on Theon throughout the entire series. Um, I think that I really had a hard time personally getting over everything with Bran and Rickon. The Reek character line was tough for me. Watching what he did to Sansa, I d- it was tough for me. And I feel like this in this moment, I really remembered why Theon is so amazing. I love that Bran welcomes him home. Theon's archery, hello. I mean, it was just, we really get to see him in a battle that's suited for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's ironborn, but he's not really like a sailor, yeah. fighter. He, that's not his strong suit. And so we see him, because he spent so much time growing up at Winterfell and being raised with the Starks, we see archery as his main 
weapon of war, and what an amazing way to see him shine as he's sort of going down to protect Bran. To the one person who he truly betrayed. Truly. And he can finally find some redemption. We've been rooting for that redemption, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, good well, for him. It's also the second time he's looked death in the face and this time he stayed. Yes. Because oh. the last time with his with his sister, sister he could have saved her and just ran. Very good point. He's had he's had an opportunity to look at you know, it, and I honestly felt like he might you know, after after Bran said thank you, thank you for, you know, sticking around. You know, it's I, I thought for a second. Like, go. Yeah, yeah well, I thought for a second Fiona was gonna be like, all right, and then just kinda move aside. You know? I, I'm with Steven that, that that contrast was the one I think the mm-hmm. writers were going for of in the moment he had to jump, he ran in the face of the battle. Absolutely. And another thing is uh from last season when John said you're a a Greyjoy and a Stark, he mm-hmm. totally lived up to that. Within his last few actions, he had an act of heroism and incredible competence and awesomeness for, yeah. for both of those houses. Also thinking about the timeline, Theon trying to kill the Night King and failing, and him holding off the army of the dead for Bran gave Arya more time to get to Bran at the Absolutely. right moment. So it all just seems so predetermined and preordained via Bran's visions. And I just think that Theon really stepped into his own coming in at the time that he did. Yeah. And one final element, we saw him, he's always had the, the trappings of his title and his birth and that he was a ward of the Starks. But he became a leader. The Ironborn stuck with him too. They followed him to that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was and calling that, the that, shots. Yeah, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. He he earned their respect via the the Nakam Sakam uh, battle on the beach and they stuck with him, you know, however many it was, a couple of dozen mm-hmm. and 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 followed his example and that was leadership. Yeah. It seemed like at one point in Theon's arc or his, you know, his entire story, it was at a certain point Theon died, Reek was born. Mm-hmm. And then at another point Reek died, Theon was born again. And I feel like he finally fell as a true member of both families and as, mm-hmm. as Theon himself. And he volunteered for this death. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who volunteered to protect Bran in this particular situation knew their death was coming. Yeah. Right. So he, he wanted to redeem himself, and this was definitely the way to do it. Just as with Lady Mormont, you know, Theon doing this for Bran shows another sign of one person can have a huge effect, a butterfly effect in the way that outcomes will ha- will occur. Definitely. Bran makes sure to remind people about that. <laughs> 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 um, let's, let's pay respect. Everything you've done brought you to this moment. <laughs> yeah. How a, many times? I kind of want to use that if as, I had as a shot an glass excuse for, every... for like whenever I do anything wrong or like get pulled over for speeding. You were meant to be here, and so was I. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we've ever done led us to this moment. Um, all right, let's let's pay respects to another f- uh, fan favorite from from you know uh, episode one, right? No, no, Jorah so. Mormont. Maybe, maybe two, two or three. Season oh, one. Season one. <laughs> Season yeah. one. Uh, Jorah Mormont. Yeah, when Danny arrived to the Dothraki, he was literally her first friend and her mm-hmm. friend throughout. I mean, she, he's been her number one ally. So seeing him go down was obviously the hardest loss for me out of all the characters who we lost this this episode. Yeah. Absolutely the hardest one. But I'm sure we all saw that coming. I mean, there was no one else really that would lay down their life like that for her. Yeah. Can you imagine anyone less cut out to be a spy, which is what he was <laughs> in the first season? And yeah. this is him 
being his potential. Awesome. Yeah, he has had a few close calls with death. You know, I mean, he survived grayscale. Grayscale, and it. I think Jeremy, you said it when we were back in the trailer watching the episode, or maybe it was Steven. It was. Uh, I mean, hey, he died doing what he loved. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with Danny, yeah, right. <laughs> while protecting her, died in her like, arms. Wanted a makeout scene. <laughs> if there was any way for him to die before his time, it was going to be protecting the woman he loved. Um, so at least we can find some solace in the fact that without his sacrifice, Daenerys probably wouldn't and he have made, made it. A long time. It's same did. thing with mm-hmm. when we were talking about Grey Worm. I mean, really, like through the majority of the episode, he was in the initial front, you know, the frontier of the forward attack against the White Walkers, retreated back, retreated inside of the Winterfell gates. So he really was able to go out, do his thing, come back, and then go back out again when it was time to protect Danny. Yeah. So it's just an amazing uh, military strategy and arc for him as an individual character. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he, our hearts really, uh, my heart broke for it. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he was like a father figure, but he loved her so much, and um, for him to die like that really got me. I mean, there was no one else I don't think Danny loved more, right? How about, how about is it her dragon showing some love and, for right. Jorah? Well, her heart was breaking so much that I think Yeah, the that Drogon that. decided to surround them sort of with his love. It seemed like he was almost hugging them in a way. Well, he's been the only other person there. I don't know if he's like a stepfather figure or an uncle figure because <laughs> he he was manning, walking mm. right next to the cages when they were eight inches tall. Yeah, and he, right. so what That's happens? That's a good point. And he a, was there for their birth too. Mm-hmm. Well, now what happens to Heartsbane, Jorah Mormont's sword? Does that go to someone else? Let, you know. And also another question I have for you guys is what will happen to House Mormont? I figured if Lady Mormont went down, maybe Joe Mormont can come back and be redeemed and have his own house again, but now he's gone. So what happens to House Mormont, and what happens to Heartsbane, the sword that he was just maybe battling Maybe Heartsbane with? goes to Sam, and maybe it, that whole thing comes full circle. You know, I with the grayscale, him, yeah. him curing Jorah, that'd be nice. I mean, and I, yeah, I, I saw Danny taking down a bunch of people, which was not suspect, like expected by any means, because we haven't really seen her. Girls got to do what a girl's got to do, right? Yeah. I mean, so it was nice to see her pick up the sword and, and not, you know, just stand behind Jorah being a scared girl. I mean, she fought yeah. as well. So I mean, maybe she'll take the swords. Does she still have the letter from Jorah? Where do those letters know. end up? Where are all their st- where are their belongings? <laughs> like they're, they're in a satchel. These guys travel light in dragons. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna yeah, say at least fun. she has the love letters from Jorah. <laughs> is Danny not a him by those? Is she not a scrapbooker? Does she not keep her? <laughs> yes. 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 I still have letters from like my first boyfriend in like seventh grade. Do you really? Yes, I have <laughs> every you know letter sad? anyone's ever written me. I have I feel kept. like I wow. feel like kids don't have they don't notes write anymore. letters. They're like, oh, I saved your. Your iMessage. I screenshot it. <laughs> yeah, screenshot Until it. Until yeah. my phone was stolen and I didn't have an She iPod. would be a good maester. You could be holding oh, on yes. to yes. Oh, you have Citadel keeper. written all over you. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I feel like Kristen would make a good red woman. Oh, a little and that, sorceress. And that, that brings, brings us, us into our, yes. our, our last, uh, I think, significant, real significant death of the episode, Lady Melisandre. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen her be a bad guy, we've seen her, I feel like, kind of be a good guy, but ultimately she's been kind of a mystery for Mm -hmm. us. And she was one of those characters who I think had the insight that Bran had and wouldn't really give it all to us. And she met her end, um, 
uh, at this at the very end of the episode. Tell me what you guys think about this. I mean, she kind of walked into it, right? She took off her necklace, which we know what was keeping her young was the necklace, and she became the age that you know she probably is. 800 years old, 1,000 <laughs> years older, old. Yeah. Maybe you guys know. Let us know in the comments how old she is supposed to be. But why did she feel like she needed to die at this point? Did she feel like she did serve her purpose? Did she feel like this was the end for her? I know a lot of times she said there are sacrifices that are needed, and a lot of times we've seen her do that with children like Shireen. So maybe this was her sacrifice to the Lord of Light, is mm. sacrificing herself. I mean, that's what I took it as. Perhaps, yeah. I wondered if she had used up her magic in some way. Mm. She had, a, after the amazing uh, trick, the amazing feat of lighting all the Dothraki swords, then it was really tough to, to light up a, a saturated with probably oil pit and, uh, and trench. And I wonder if, if her, her time was done. She, she walked off in peace, her magic exhausted. She definitely knew that she was going to die. She said she wouldn't make it past dawn. Right. And she told Varys last season, I must die in this strange land. Same with you. So that's, <laughs> I, you know. Um, but yeah, she that was definitely a willing move that she she pulled. She took her necklace off, walked off, and, and then met her end. Was it a promise to the Lord of Light? Was it a making sure that this, whatever vision she had was fulfilled? You know, maybe she thought she might die in another way, but since she didn't, maybe it's like, well, in order for this to really... She probably saw it in the fire, really, like everything else. Killing the Night King? Well, I think she saw probably her own death in the fire, because she knew it so long ago. I know, but she's been wrong a few times, too, especially when dealing with Stannis and, you know, resurrecting Jon. Obviously, she knew that was going to serve her purpose, Mm -hmm. but not in the way that we would have predicted at Mm -hmm. that time. And then her reuniting with Arya, we see her say, you know, the blue eyes, like there's going to be other deaths. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it'd be unfair to Melisandre's character to wrap it all in she knew the whole time you know what she was doing she served her purpose and that was it because I right. think like all of the characters in the show they're flawed and I think that her going through all of those trials and tribulations to find the rightful person she's supposed to help probably Arya at this point mm-hmm. we can we can assume um, you know she's learned a lot in that in that way and I think that when she goes out I kind of agree with you Jeremy I think she's done I think she's like I've lived on this earth a long time yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years the and this war. the great war has come I've I've fulfilled my purpose I've seen it through and now it's time like all things to lay it to rest maybe she was just tired <laughs> Girl, girl's been working she traveled by horse a long way the I only, mean the only other time we saw her do this was after she resurrected John she pulled her necklace off and we we saw, we saw her we're like oh wow she's old you know that's <laughs> that's part of her character now we know that she's been around for quite a while before we continue one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors and today spotify is one of our sponsors on spotify you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free you don't even need a premium account spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic including the one you're listening to right now on spotify you can follow your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline wherever they are and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, all right, now that my moment, my, my destiny is complete, now it's time to, to rest. Mm-hmm. Maybe, she, maybe she wanted to die for so long 
Mm-hmm. Couldn't. She was so terrified that it wouldn't light the the pyres. Right. Yeah. At the end there. She knew that she could she couldn't die until her purpose was fulfilled. So if this wasn't the time for it, maybe it, she'd have to wait another thousand to ten thousand <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's a scary thought. So yeah. <laughs> One final question on Melisandre. We did not get an interaction with her and Gendry tonight, did we? Which would have been cool. <laughs> we, we got the interaction and an understanding with her and Davos, but Gendry sure. was not in that. That's a very situation. good point. I'm sure she avoided it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the her and Davos moment was a bigger, you know, obviously a little bit bigger to the storyline. But I like that they did that. But you're right about Gendry. We didn't see much of him either. We saw him fighting, but he wasn't a big, big Mm-mm. plot point at all in this episode. No. He was tired from last week. Making all those weapons. Weapons. Hanging out with Arya. Yeah, making the romance. Um, no, excellent. Uh, yeah, I think that's 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 a, a funny point. I would love to see maybe a reaction to you know her funeral. Are we gonna have a funeral next? You know, next episode for all of these people. I'm sure we will. It's a pyre. Um, there might be a you know a eulogy. I didn't I didn't know over that long, but it seemed like <laughs> I, d- I don't think they're gonna waste time there <laughs> no. these people. I think Sansa will clean We gotta up move on. We no. have another war to fight. No, yes. and that's why we're here. So to give our eulogy for these characters and to pay their respects. And that we did. And to yep. them we say Valamagures. Valo de Harris. There you go. <laughs> Alright guys. Let's let's jump into a little bit more of a you know yeah. a, a little bit more of an exciting topic. Uh, battle tactics. Um, and then right after Battle Tactics, <laughs> we're going to be playing a little game called Imp Cup. Well, it's called Told You So, but <laughs> or maybe it's not. in our Imp Cup with a silent P. And <laughs> uh, our watch along, when we before we saw the episode, each of us wrote a prediction. We put it in this go- uh, goblet, and it's f- the prediction for the episode. And um, I guess we'll find out, we'll find out. after this next segment who was right, who was wrong, and what you win if you win, all right? (laughs) So battle tactics, let's talk battle tactics. This episode was unique in the fact that it was kind of all just one battle, one location, so we have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, Professor Jeremy Dan, you read uh, parts of Sun Tzu's- Sun Tzu, Clausewitz, read them all. Okay, not so just not today. No. <laughs> yeah. So break 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 down for me. Let's just you know from the very beginning. What did you notice as to how they were set up? At, you know their their defense and what strategy they were going for. Like how did it all start before? Let's talk pre-battle. Yeah. Well, I think an interesting thing about this is some fans of the show going back to the Battle of the Blackwater. Definitely the Battle of the Bastards. There was strategy playing out in really cool ways in that, mm-hmm. and I I think a lot of people were really looking forward to the way strategy would play out in this. And we saw the battle map. We saw the formations. The the preamble to the show. The opening credits showed the tents and the spike work and the trenches mm-hmm. being created. So. It was, I think it's something the writers wanted to emphasize as well. Mm -hmm. I actually had a hypothesis that the battle was almost a way, uh, it was going to be to avoid the battle, and that it was going to be a long battle, but the Night King was going to try to get some armies and go elsewhere. And that was in part based on, as I mentioned, Sun Tzu attack them where they're weakest, which would be in the crypts and through the crypts, have it be kind of a rear rear guard action. And you're saying to try and kind of, Go around Winterfell and keep moving south. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I would expect, too, considering we have three more episodes. Yeah. 
I figured they would the, the battle would get all the way to King's Landing or something. But so I got worked. I was very wrong on this. This was very unsun Sioux. This was attack right at the people that have all of the uh, dragon glass weapons, have all the dragons, have all the fire ready, and uh, the Night King knows he has tens of thousands of people to throw at the problem and just tried a different viewpoint. Maybe when your your armies are living, you attack the weak side. These guys went right to the strength. True. I think we, as we start with the battle, we're all getting excited about that Dothraki charge. I think most of the mm-hmm. other soldiers would have been put to better use in and, and closer to Winterfell. But the Dothraki, I was worried about them. Then I thought they might actually make a difference when we saw the lighting of their swords. Yeah. We like, were, that we was were going, cool. Whoa. And I, we're like, they're going to do some work with those flaming swords. But they didn't do any work at all, did they? They all, all died. Yeah, all of a sudden, it looked like they might have a new kind of secret weapon. They got, you know, plus three on every roll if you're using D&D terms or whatever. But that surprise weapon, nothing worked there. They were eaten up just like Stannis' yeah, formation exactly. in the battle with Ramsay. Mm-hmm. It was a very similar shot to me, although it was at night. You just saw Stannis' formation getting dissolved by the riders of the House of Bolton. And in this case, that, that formation just started to get to dissolved and then literally extinguished. Uh, and maybe, yeah. what, not even 10%. Maybe 10% came back, it appeared. We, we saw dribs and drabs. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was looking forward to, and I almost thought we saw the foreshadowing. I noticed a lot of work on arrows and a lot of boxes of arrows being <laughs> carted around Winterfell. Uh, but and, not being used. Well, no, you guys should have seen. Drew during, was very sensitive during about the, the arrows. During the during the watch along, <laughs> he was trying to this command guy the was like, he's like, the arrows? he's like, knock, <laughs> draw, loose. loose. Like, where's the arrows? More arrows! Every, every like 10 minutes, you'd be like, where's the archers? Where are the, where are the archers? <laughs> that battle was made for dragon glass arrows. They had 25,000, 50,000 whites standing 50 yards away from the, the walls of Winterfell behind a pit that was flaming. They let them stand there for multiple minutes until the Night King got within range, got a little plan, and started the, the bridge across. Those things should have been raining down arrows. from... <laughs> I mean, just, it would have been like shooting fish in the proverbial barrel. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, Mm -hmm. we saw John and Danny standing above to try to see how things were going. Obviously, it didn't go well, so they got on the dragons. So, I mean, maybe that's one reason we didn't see raining arrows, just because the dragons were going to be out there at some point. And it it didn't seem that they had a plan attack of the dragons. It was sort of just, when times get tough, we're going to ride the dragons and and rain fire. We do Mm -hmm. know the dragons were supposed to light the fire pit, the moat, and because of this the storm and this this winter coming and winter being here, mm-hmm. they could, weren't able to see Winterfell and weren't able to execute it, which is why Melisandre had to step in. Mm-hmm. And when you talk strategy, there's a term in you know military parlance, the fog of war. Mm-hmm. And literally, we, we had the literal fog of war here. The Night King can bring that, he can bring the storm. And he brought the yes. storm, brought the right. fog. It made it so John and Danny couldn't communicate. They didn't know where they were within that cloud Hitting and where, each the, other. Yeah, where the Night King was. And they did not know to light that pit and light that trench, which was a huge part of their strategy. Huge and, part. And, and of course, people think, oh, they're dragons. Of course, you know, they're they're these massive creatures that you can control. And when times come, Danny and John will be able to control the dragons. But what a short-sighted thing to have that be your only plan of lighting the the pit. They really had 
their backup plan was pretty weak. They were shooting some like flaming arrows and they wasn't working. And they're like, tried. But I love they're like, they're like, okay, Tor- what now? Tor- and it was like three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw and guys people, with the torches. Yeah, they, they're like, all right, we'll send some guys with torches. And they were getting cut down. And it was Grey Worm, right? Who saw. Was Melisandre. It, was it Grey Worm? Who saw Melisandre? And it was like. They I formed feel, a battle like formation. Yeah. Yeah. He was but, the one who commanded that. Kind of right, in, in but George R. R. Martin constantly talks about, and I mentioned it in the watch along, how his f- characters are flawed and how he feels as a, you know, even as a writer, he's talking about his own characters coming back to him and he's like, I just feel like they always make mistakes and they're so flawed and they're always making the wrong choices. And so we just, we see this play out time and time again and especially in this episode when dealing with these war and these strategies, thinking they have the best plan and it's so short-sighted at times. Yeah. Right. Can I go ahead? I was just gonna say it was interesting how you know Tyrion was saying you know maybe if I was up there you know I would see something like I did in Blackwater and so it was like I really do feel like they were sort of lacking someone at that point mm-hmm. to oversee everything. Thankfully, it turned out the way it did, but they were losing most of this episode. You yeah. know who saw something was Grey Worm. Yes. Grey yeah. Worm. I think knew the plan was going awry. Um, he made the call for protect, protect the retreat. The retreat. Mm-hmm. He that's the big audible. He mm-hmm. called it. He really bought into the fact we're fighting for the living, and these people are his friends. But he knew strategically that that sacrifice had to be made for probably more that had already made that retreat. But he needed to finish who was inside that circle, and that was a huge part. Him. And the, well, mostly yeah. the unsold, remaining unsullied, covering mm-hmm. that tree, and Grey Worm making that positive, active decision yes. to cut off that final remnant of the bridge. Speaking of oversight, yes. I want to ask what you guys think of this in terms of there's going to be the battle for the throne and Jon mm-hmm. Snow and Daenerys all about their bloodlines. They were standing over and Daenerys made the choice to go in early to help people. Do you think Jon would have been better suited to not follow her or do you think she made the right call? Well, you know, it's interesting about when we're talking about, you know, should someone have done something, we, we come to find out that everyone, it was necessary for them to do what they did in oh, order hello, for Brand. it to, I know, and, <laughs> oh. that's, and that's the thing is, is you know, whatever anyone does seems to be what they needed to do, because mm-hmm. it's hard for us to say like, oh, that was the wrong thing, because look what happened, you know, the Night King was destroyed and everything worked out. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, Stephen, I feel like... Um, John could have waited a little bit to to see how things were playing out. I feel like he could because, to be honest, we had two dragons flying around, kind of not really and doing their job. Running into each other. Yeah, they were like, yeah. yeah, they weren't really being utilized the way that they had planned to utilize them. Light the trench, light up the that that line of of whites that were standing there waiting. And Jeremy mentioned they they should have been on cleanup duty so that when the yes. Night King lifted his arms to riot yes. to ri- rise the dead, you know that shouldn't have happened. One of the dragons should have been on cleanup duty. Again, yeah. a phrase in military strategy: no strategy survives first contact with the enemy. Right. Or as Mike Tyson says, no, everyone yeah. has a strategy until they get punched in the face. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and literally the strategy with the dragons lasted two minutes yeah. into that battle. They were not flexible enough. They didn't have options. They didn't have contingency plans with what was going to happen. Yeah. They had to audible it. And it's not like they had radios like in the right. Avengers to contact <laughs> with each other with the new plan. They were They were lucky. I actually thought... That they might, it would have been, I mean, dragons, 
a dragon's got to fly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I actually thought they would have been scared by the Night King's accuracy with his spears right. and right. that they might actually hold the dragons mm-hmm. behind the wall for part of it and blast out, which would have been interesting. But they, they were, in the end, they were more effective, even though they had to audible. They were just lucky that, number one, the spears missed, and number two, man, that biting battle. How about that? I, that was it was say, hard to tell what was going on, but but uh, the dragons the, biting each other. Yeah, I thought I thought two of them might crash down together, and mm-hmm. there would be one dragon left. But, but it was a little confusing at one point. I was like, wait, are they fighting? Are those the Zephyrion? And that you know, um, but I got I, I didn't get to mention it at the very beginning. That was my favorite moment. Was the dragon fight? Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, come on, these dragons like fighting each other. I mean, I can't even think of. I can't think of one example from another, you know, another show or, or film where two dragons went at it like that mm-hmm. before. It was really well done. Yeah. And then afterwards, Viserion has this hole in his neck, <laughs> and shooting flames out of his neck. It was like it's like an extra crazy. weapon. <laughs> yeah. how, how interesting too to see John versus Viserion in the end, even though Arya is the one that saves the day. But you yeah. have John sort of like, okay, now's my time, like fighting against his own bloodline dragon lineage. It's very interesting. Yeah. Also, John ending up. Like the Battle of the Bastards, right. him running after Rickon and being alone in the middle of the battlefield, him getting, you know, when he gets thrown under the ground, alone in the middle of all these whites, and going beyond, after the Night... the wall, mm-hmm, same exact, thing. Same He's thing. always just ready John, to take on the world. <laughs> I said it, fans are going to kill me. I think John has a habit of failing up. Like, <laughs> uh, he, he has the right intention. He does really good work leading up to the big moments. And then in the big moments, he kind of gets saved by someone else, typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was Arya. We heard Sansa's line to Lily. Littlefinger about uh, when she brought I'm, in the veil. No, when she said, "I do learn." You know, I make mistakes, but I'm not do- getting that quote right. exactly right. But said, yeah. "I learn." John is not learning the same <laughs> lessons that he he did not. He had a lot to learn from Ramsay and could have used, like we talked about, the archers in a different way. Yes. But in a second battle in a row, John's plan lost the battle, and one of his sisters made it happen. Sansa Sansa essentially used. John to get Ramsay to commit to the field in the Battle of Bastards so she could wipe out that army. And in this case, Arya, an in, a great individual effort, saved the day for the losing side. Right. I feel like Drake should come out with a new single called John's Plan. Oh! <laughs> John's Plan. John's Plan. <laughs> it is! Okay, can we talk about what? the battle tactic that did work, though? What was that, Kristen? Drawing the Night King to Bran yes. because everyone knew where he was going, mm-hmm. and that's why they killed him. Well, that's now why Arya knew where to go. We've mm-hmm. confirmed the Night King's target, so that was a huge topic up for debate leading mm-hmm. up to this episode. We talked about it last uh, last episode for episode two about the actor saying the Night King has a plan and he is going after a specific person. And people were wondering, is it John? Is it Danny? Is it Bran? Is it Sansa and Arya? Like they were a little bit lesser down the totem, but it's confirmed. He, that was his plan all along was to find Bran. And I love what you were talking about in the watch along and I want you to talk more about it. The Night King and his motivations oh, yeah. and what he was doing, you know, and why Bran? And mm-hmm. did he want to wipe out the memories? Did he want to free himself? Because he was just a normal guy. We don't know what he was before. Before, but he was just a guy who never asked to be the Night King. Yeah, I he mean, never I it. was really hoping that this episode, I know it was all a battle, but I was really hoping for a moment we could go back and see Bran's vision to see if this was originally a Targaryen. I mean, we saw him get, you know, roasted by Drogon in this right. episode, mm-hmm. and he was 
a-okay. Yeah, he was right. fine. And maybe that's, you can say it's because he was dead and he's not a Targaryen. People beat me up about that sign. They said he just adopted it from Children of the Forest and it was not a Targaryen symbol. But I don't know. I wanted to hear more about who this man was. Like you said, Anna Kay, that, you know, he never wanted to do this. You know, he was one of the original men. And talking about my travel time traveling brand theory, which obviously, guys, it didn't come true. <laughs> no. But, but we well, all thought that he was the one like who convinced the children of the forest to change the original man because he was like I'm from the future don't turn me whenever Bran would go back to the original man and a lot of people were saying Bran needed to fall in, going back to episode season one whenever he goes out of the tower mm-hmm. people were saying Bran needed to go back to that moment in time and die when he fell out of the tower when Jamie pushed him out of the tower kind of like a butterfly effect thing solution. exactly in order yeah. for the Night King not to happen but none of that had to happen but I really wanted to get some of his backstory who this original man was so that we could really care more about the Night King I mean it just seemed mm-hmm. like such a side plot we never really got to know this man and I really wanted there to be more meaning behind his symbol behind his symbols, behind his motivations, behind, you know, his target being Bran. Do you think that's George R. R. Martin saying, hey, this is just something that I want to say for the books? Maybe, <laughs> because <laughs> up until this point, the Night King has not been in the books. So maybe that's like, hey, read the next book if really? you want to know the story of the Night King, because I think that's something he will absolutely include yeah. in the books. I love that you mentioned Danny hitting him with the fire, because it, it, it contradicts what we believe to be true this entire time, mm-hmm. that he would be susceptible to that. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, Valyrian steel, okay, dragon glass and obsidian, okay. Dragon f- fire? Dragon fire nope. and fire. And it just, it's interesting that that the, got proven wrong, but we didn't really get a deep understanding of why that was right they asked the question and Bran didn't know he said no one's ever tried that before remember right. when right. he's like can you hit him with dragon fire and they're like he's like I don't know he's been able to resist fire but everyone thought dragon fire so much more powerful yeah. so much hotter and that will make a difference it didn't maybe it's just a, an ability that that ice beats fire mm-hmm. in this yeah. instance let me pose one final question to you guys in terms of the strategy obviously you just mentioned a key part of the strategy mm-hmm. was bran by the weirwood tree mm-hmm. in the god's wood drawing him out but he got there and he immediately eyes go back in the head and he's obviously somewhere else oh, we yes. saw him yes. for about 30 <laughs> seconds use his power to warg into ravens and try to get some intel about where the night king was but he was in that mode the entire battle. Yeah. I don't know what was he doing. Where was he? Where was he in time? Where was he on the battlefield, so to speak, looking at other things? Do you guys have any thoughts? You know, we we posed this question in the trailer. Where was Bran? What was he doing? He <laughs> Jeremy into was some very Raven. concerned about arrows and where, where, <laughs> where did Bran go? Where's Bran? Where's the arrows? Shoot some arrows. Bran, get a bow. Warg you know? into somebody, Bran. <laughs> Warg into somebody and shoot an arrow. Come on. Warg into an arrow, Bran. That's great. <laughs> but I think it, I don't know. I think it's just, it, maybe it's as simple as Bran was just watching to make sure everything was playing out the way that he envisioned it because he was sitting there in that seat, waiting for the Night King to come. There really wasn't much else he could do. And he knew when he got there. He had already played mm-hmm. the, the the role he was supposed to play. He gave Arya his dagger. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he did the right things. And I think he was just kind of like, I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> I'm going to go watch and well, see if it's all good. Who wants to watch that? Oh, my God. When he first show. wards and you see his eyes go white, mm-hmm. we then see all these crows. Well, and we see the three-eyed three-eyed raven first. Right. So we see the raven so and then the crows. So he's probably the three-eyed, three-eyed raven, raven in the middle of the crows. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we get to see 
where the Night King is and that he's riding Viserion. So I do think he was, you know, the three-eyed raven kind of watching everything mm-hmm. and kind of tracking him because when the Night King does arrive at Bran, Bran immediately comes back. So he knew he was there. It's not like someone had to wake him up like we saw earlier in mm-hmm. the seasons with Orel and people had to, like, yell Orel for him to come out of the warging. So right. Bran knew what was Was there, Bran but... releasing the ravens and calling the Night King to him? Uh, you know, I feel like, and I feel like Steven's jumping on board. Yeah. So you want to say something before I? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the the mark that he left on Bran mm-hmm. uh, is active when he's using his power. I mm-hmm. think he had to be in that mode Got so the Night King could track that. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I, I was saying. I feel agree. like he was drawing him closer to him so that this plan could be executed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. I feel like most of Bran's involvement, like I said, happened over the past. Ever since he got became the Three-Eyed Raven and started doing things to put to start the he was stacking dominoes, right? Stacking mm-hmm. dominoes this whole time just so they could fall right where they lay. I feel like the only the only problem maybe it wasn't a problem, but you know, obviously Jon Snow didn't know that Bran was gonna be fine. I mean, we were all kind of thinking the the most crucial thing is to kill the Night King. Mm-hmm. But then we saw John like, no, we got to protect Bran because Bran is the ultimate weapon, right? He's the ultimate power. He's the, maybe the one we're all thinking there's some kind of like thing about Bran that can he can warg into the Night King or he can go back in time and kill the Night King or all this stuff. We're thinking it's some kind of crazy power that right. the Three-Eyed Raven has. But in reality, he's just sitting there waiting for all the pieces to fall into place the way he set them up. I mean, we got to see a great moment for John. He was seeing Sam was in trouble. But he kept going. Mm-hmm. We saw mm-hmm. uh, Jamie was in trouble and Brienne was in trouble. There was a lot of these these people who normally he would forego whatever he was doing and help them. He didn't. Bran was the most important thing. He couldn't get past Viserion. Yes. But it just, <laughs> Viserion. just goes to show that people were aware of how important Bran was and were aware that the Night King targeted him. But do we know exactly why? Why is he trying to kill the Three-Eyed Raven? You know, why was that so important? Why was he the target? And, yes, Yeah, no, I want to say, too, with Chris, I love what you were talking about with the Night King and going deeper. For me, I also want to know more about the relationship between Bran and everyone around him now. It's like we Mm -hmm. never had conversations. We talked about this last week. We never had conversations about how Bran revealed himself to be the Three-Eyed Raven Mm -hmm. to everyone and why they believe him and trust him. It's like they have this guttural, you know, visceral, guttural trust in Bran, Mm -hmm. but we never got the experience as fans and as viewers to really understand that dynamic and how much they do believe because they don't know and really truly understands it I don't think besides Sam and so I don't even know how much our main characters truly understand about Bran's power mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's why he's everyone's least favorite <laughs> because we don't know there hasn't been a lot of um building and understanding and development of this mm-hmm. yeah I even feel like two other characters right you walk up to besides Bran, the read the read children obviously and everyone that was on that path with Bran yeah. but you know if you sit down next to Bran and be like Bran I gotta ask you a question what What's what's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, I could just feel like he's the guy who would be like, I don't want to talk. About you know who There's did no that? Time for this. Tyrion, Tyrion yeah. did it. So maybe yeah. Tyrion yes. will have some reveal that is going to give him greater credibility for the end. I shouldn't use this term, but the end game in the final three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Great movie, by the way. I want to ask one question left too, without spoiling everyone in this booth that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> with with Bran, now what? Because he didn't, he was never fearful mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So was this even, was this even the main significant role for him? 
I hope not. No. <laughs> I argue that Bran's tie to Arya is going to be deeper than we even know. We talked earlier about how when Bran greeted his sisters for the first time after being away from them for so long, he didn't even hug Sansa. And Arya, he put his arm around her, and there's something, there's giving her the weapon, there's some bond between them. And I think it's going to, I don't know for me if Arya is going to be the one to get the throne in the end, but I think that Bran will be part of the play and what Arya is experiencing as she gets closer to the throne in whatever capacity that means. It doesn't see I'm just gonna say I feel like a lot of people are so bored by the brand story and we made up all these brand traveling theories because we were hoping there was more to his story. But guys, I don't think there is. I think there will be in the books, but I think the rest of the three episodes we gotta focus on Cersei, Cersei. and what's gonna happen, what the end looks like. And I, we still gotta lose a lot more characters because <laughs> I mean if you think this ends well, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Uh, right. Ramsey well, says that's, that's what Bran said to Jamie is like, Well, who says there is an afterwards? I mean there is. Great War's over. Jamie's alive, Bran's alive. What did Bran mean? Was he just saying it to keep Jamie on his toes? To be like, yeah. hey man, don't get too comfortable. I'm not going to tell you the answers. Or is there really something even more epic? I mean, obviously there's a lot of show left, <laughs> but is it the as I guess it was in the the um, the post post credit teaser for next episode? Daenerys has dubbed it the Last War. Mm-hmm. We won the Great War. Now it's time to win the last There's war. There's no last war, Daenerys. <laughs> they were they were drinking and toasting that. I know. I, that's a totally other thing. They were, one. She they feels were pretty up too. damn happy. Yeah. Uh, a final thing on Brand. We saw it with the three-eyed raven Max von Sydow in his portrayal. There was no dread when he saw his imminent demise. It's almost like the three-eyed raven can't have fear. So uh, the three-eyed raven, he knew the Night King was about to swing away at him, but we we didn't see him cower away uh, if, if in his uh, astral plane projection, whatever you want to call it, and in the physical world, and, and Bran had no cowering either. I would lend to say that he probably knew Arya was coming, but... Yeah, at least he was, he was just sitting there like, man, I hope she gets her on time. People like, have asked in the comments, like, can Bran see the future? But we've seen him have dreams. He had the dream of his father dying, um, and we've seen him have other dreams, like meeting Jojen Reed that eventually came true. So I think he does have dreams that of future predictions and, and things that would happen. Speaking of predictions... Yes. Let's the play. Cup. Let's play a game. And um, is there a musical theme as we do this? Yes. There it is. Oh. Okay, everybody, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the name of the game is "Told You So." We are pulling predictions that we wrote at the beginning of the episode before we watch the episode. Mm-hmm. What we predict would happen for that episode. For and so, Jeremy, without further ado, what's our first prediction? Ooh. Who said Theon dies protecting Bran? Oh! Oh. That feels Bingo. like a Kristen prediction to me. Beyond dies protecting Bran. I mean, <laughs> wasn't a very strong prediction. I don't know. I mean, oh, judging. It's like saying it's going to snow in winter. We had no arrows in the episode, but no. we got an arrow right now. Excellent prediction. Oh. You you win a chocolate bravosi coin. Oh, I will be using this. Vala Magules, Kristen. Vala Excellent job. Great prediction. You I'll win. I'll see you at the house of... Do we have any more White. in there? Yeah, we got three more in there. We got more. We got more. Jack and Agar. Jack and Agar. Who said Brienne will die protecting 
Jamie. It was me. Ah. <laughs> Not quite right, but they back both fought. To back. They fought back to back, and I thought if there was, if Jamie was gonna die, I didn't think he was gonna die necessarily. But if he were, uh, Brienne would be the one. Or I'm sorry, if Jamie lived, Brienne would be the one to help him out. Yeah. Does this mean I get her chocolate? Yes. I get her Provosi <laughs> coin. Yes. We gotta save I'm that for next woman. week. We got. We only have so many coins. Who? It. I feel like a raven has come in. Ooh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I'm doing the we sound. We should roll next time. Bring the sound effects. Yeah. Papers to write on. Who scrolls. said, Bran will warg into a dragon? Jeremy Dan said it. That was me! Oh, <laughs> I wanted so bad for Bran to, you know, when, when he like warged, I was like, oh my god, is he going to get into a dragon right now and fly around? No, more ravens. But I thought it might, <laughs> might have been a cool idea to, I mean, the kid in the wheelchair to be like, be flying around. Didn't happen, but they did say you will fly again. You will not walk, but you will fly. Yeah. Oh, As that still raven. has to pay off. Ravens. As the ravens, oh. there was a point ravens, though where yeah. Viserion, I felt like, could have killed John right at the end, and he was sort of just like growling at him. So maybe uh, he was about to work into him. You never know. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, he had a so hole in the side of his neck. We got neck. one more. There's we got no, one more. There's, there's, you win. You win chocolate. But if you lose, <laughs> look how oh big God, you guys. If you're watching this, I mean, we all wrote on tiny pieces of paper. If you're listening, Jeremy, <laughs> Professor Jeremy Dan wore, wore, wrote on an entire full size legal. <laughs> because sheet. I was thinking about the production value of holding it to the camera, but my prediction was. There will be wolves, dead and alive. So what I thought, we'd been in the crypts for mm -hmm. uh, several times in the previous episodes, and we saw a lot of uh, statues next to the Starks of wolves. And I thought that uh, the wolves that had died in the previous seasons might be there and be risen, mm. and that maybe way, way, way earlier Starks, because yeah. it was a symbol of their house, had them. And the other thing... We had Nymeria in a, in a recent scene with Arya, right. and she made her return uh, as Arya was journeying back and had a super pack that she was leading. We had Ghost return last issue, we had Ghost or last we, issue, last Ghost episode. Was leading this Dothraki, yeah. And so I thought somehow there would be a pack of wolves that would jump into this oh, battle, and it'd be really cool, like, like the eagles flying in. Not, you know, Don Henley and all that, but the eagles flying in in the, the Tolkien the stories, yeah. yeah. That would have yeah, been, been cool, and you would have some chocolate, but it wasn't, <laughs> and you don't. <laughs> and I'm going to go find Jock and Hagar and give him three names. Yay for Kristen uh, for winning. Names. Told you so. Told you so, guys. I told you so. Not these three <laughs> names. Yeah, I know. I was about to say that. <laughs> so, I have other ones on my list. <laughs> so next week we'll be doing the same thing. Uh, we'll be pr making predictions before the episode on our watch along. Yes. If you guys want to watch along, it's called the watch along. Yes, and you can watch along and leave comments and leave your predictions because I will be manning it and I love reading those. We mentioned we give shout outs during the show and we take a lot of those feedback and those thoughts into our after show. So make sure that you guys are commenting if and when you watch our watch along. I'm predicting people toast the last war. You know what? And let's let's give a toast to our close to a thousand people watching us live right now in nice. YouTube. This is a cheers to you. We love you guys. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, there are my notes. Such a wonderful <laughs> fandom. Never again. <laughs> Thank you guys. And if you're in, to everyone who's watching right now, if you just you know scroll over and just give us a quick thumbs up, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you guys for watching. You are our family, and we wouldn't have a show without you. So thank you so much. Let us move into our final 
topic of discussion. Yeah, I love this. Which is so suiting and fitting to an episode like this where a lot of people's journeys are ending and we only have a few more episodes. Let's talk about finding purpose. Let's talk about the characters that, I mean, we, we've already kind of touched on Theon and Melisandre and their, what we would call destiny, I guess, mm-hmm. and, um, and lack thereof, perhaps, in, in feeling like Sansa and Tyrion maybe didn't feel like they had a purpose in this show. Let's talk about the different characters. Well, we'll start off with, I think, the strongest one and the most you know, powerful of the episode, the MVP, so to speak, Miss yes. Arya Stark. Yes. Um, I want to ask you guys, was that her purpose? We, we, we saw Melisandre said, in your eyes, I see brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. Mm. And she fulfilled that. She's got most of her names off the list, except for Cersei, I believe, is in the, in the mountain. Mm-hmm. Cersei in the mountain. Is there anyone left on her list? And is her purpose been fulfilled other than that? And what's what's left for Arya and her destiny? Yeah, I'm still hoping that Jamie accidentally dies somehow, saving <gasps> someone in this next war, and then Arya can wear his face to, or Arya can wear Jamie's face to kill wow. Cersei. I'm still hoping that's part of the plan and going to happen. That's gonna be my imp cup. You mean that would just be a lovely scene? It would be very sentimental for you, yeah. or it'd be cool. Both. I mean, like, full circle. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was the prediction that Cersei will die by her brother's hands, and so I'm just hoping that Arya. It's a. It's like a double whammy, you know. Arya gets to make the kill, and it's by Jamie, someone who Cersei would not suspect. And it was. Pro- Prophesize, right? That's what exactly. You, that's what you're saying. Um, that would be cool, but we would have to lose Jamie. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen. He's on my death pool, which we're gonna talk about next. Yeah, we. Yeah, <laughs> so after this, we're talking death pool. So get ready. Jumping um, back to Arya, yeah. I just think what an amazing full circle, her training at the House Mm -hmm. of Black and White, everything she suffered through getting from King's Landing and finding her way home, dealing with her sister and the politics there at Winterfell, just every, dealing with her relationship with the Hound and their journey and her being able to survive that. Arya coming through and realizing what I think, again, I love extrapolating to to the bigger purpose and meaning in in life and how the show represents life, but when Melisandre says the thing about the blue eyes, Arya realizing what she has to do, but I think it was always inside of her, and like a lot of us, we probably get scared at times for really, it's scary to realize your true potential and to really step up for what you believe in and what you want. So to see her have that moment of, I know what I have to do. This is why I've, I'm here. I'm not fighting the small fight. I'm fighting the big fight. And I'm I'm worthy of fighting the big fight. I'm worthy of being someone who's going to make a major impact in this war. Mm-hmm. The full circle goes back even further than that because Melisandre parroted the same line as Sirio Pharrell of looking yeah. what do we death say in the to face. Mm-hmm. What do we say to death? Not, not today. Not today. Exactly. And that was... she. That's all she needed. It. That was like day one of her training. And yeah, it just completely came full circle there. Yeah, yeah. She always wanted to be a fighter. It was just mm-hmm. in her nature, right? And all the time she's been doubted and put down and disregarded, and that girls don't fight, and that people thought she was dead, and for losing, getting to the red wedding late, and not being able <sighs> to help Gatlin and um, and Rob and her, the rest of her family, mm-hmm. and the you know the Knights of the Vale. And I just exactly what a moment for her to realize that this is. 
who I am and I'm bigger than was, even I it thought. It was almost lost on her. I mean, being chased around by zombies yeah. for like half the episode, she, yeah. it seemed like she had kind of had her spirit broken. I mean, she's such a warrior and this is the first time we've really seen her uh, Crack, yeah. since maybe the Wraith and and that, you know, the battle Wraith. between... What did I say? The Wraith. The Wraith. A wraith is like a wraith demon is, specter. Wraith, yeah. wraith, I want to talk about. Wraith is in Halo. I want to talk about whenever Arya was talking to her father, Ned Stark, season one, and he was like, "You know, you're gonna grow up, and you're gonna marry a lord, and you're gonna wear, you know, beautiful gowns, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have children." And she said, "That's not me." Yep. And you know, so th- we she really, you know was her own trailblazer and she had a different path and she knew that from the beginning and I think we finally got to see what that was and she's always been my favorite character. Yeah. She's amazing. No, absolutely. A she be- has. A yep. beautiful moment too is when Arya and Sansa are about to part and I love that even mm-hmm. Sansa doesn't doubt Arya. Sansa doesn't say, come down to the crypts, you're only safe there. You know, they have a quick conversation. Arya gives Sansa the piece of dragon glass. And I really love that even Sansa has come into believing in her sister in a mm-hmm. real way. In a real way saying, okay, I I have my limitations. I can't go fight the way that these people are fighting. And my strategy has limitations. I'm going to go down to the crypts. But here's my sister, a true fighter, a true warrior, and I'm going to celebrate that. It's the first time really we've seen Sansa really have Arya's back in, in terms of battle. Speaking of Sansa, let's move to her and Tyrion down in those crypts, and let's talk about um, their purpose. I mean, we have two really powerful characters, and Varys, sitting in some crypts, seemingly helpless, can't do anything to help. Um, they, but they're they're so um, capable, and they're such powerful players in this game, and yet they're down there, unable to do anything, feeling like they have no purpose. Um, what is their purpose at this point in the game? I mean, they kind of were down there and they were like, we're down here with all these other people because we actually can't do anything up there. But what we can do is look truth in the eye and face the truth that that is, you know, our job to be down here. I mean, for Tyrion, I thought, you know, Danny, he was always questioning Danny, what's going to happen if you die? So I feel like she put him down there because she had trust that he would know what to do should she fall. And that mm-hmm. he could be, you know, stand in her place to rule if needed. True. And Sansa, I mean, she's kind of the new Peter Baelish. She has been trained by the best, yes. by Cersei, by Peter. I mean, she is now, I mean, I, even though they're not together anymore and they kind of talked about their marriage, which was cute. And right. that long stare and gaze at each other. Um, and her talking about how they can't be together because of Danny. I don't think she's going to feel that way anymore. Sure. We talk about this a lot in some of our favorite characters, how sometimes their greatest strength is to know their greatest weakness. Mm-hmm. For me, this was a redeeming quality for Sansa. Um, like my issues with Theon, I have issues with Sansa and her her lack of self-understanding to know that she has limitations. She thinks she knows everything. She thinks she knows more than Danny. She thinks she knows more than John. And yes, she has proven that she is a force to be reckoned with and she has overcome being underestimated. But her retreating and seeing her weakness and having that moment with Theon of like, okay, I've done what I can to this point. I'm sure she's going to be a major player Mm -hmm. in our final three episodes. But to see her kind of retreat into herself and look inward for once, Mm -hmm. I really did appreciate that in Mm -hmm. her character arc. Yeah, Sansa is going to be key to any conflict with Cersei because she's obviously the one that understands Cersei the best at this point. Uh, And I hope people listen to her. Yes, Jamie fooled. 
Tyrion, Tyrion fooled Cersei, or excuse me, uh, Danny, Danny fooled. fooled, and she's that's her purpose now. The one, as you were mentioning, has has learned from a master mm-hmm. and absorbed from more than one master. I was actually a little let down by their purpose in that mm-hmm. crypt. I thought I did find it was yeah. heartwarming their moment behind the sarcophagus when uh, they affirmed a, a respect and who knows maybe even a love or a love of a different kind for each other and each had a piece of dragon glass and were ready to at least do what they could do. I actually thought we might see a purpose play out of cleverness because they are both so clever and that we we have Tyrion essentially won the dumb battle of Casterly Rock with his knowledge of the sewers. I thought maybe he would ask, start asking her, he would see things no one could see and get the idea of, do you know about areas that we can escape through? And they, she might lead an escape with mm-hmm. her knowledge yeah. of Winterfell then. I, I, I was saying, oh, they're behind this crypt. Maybe there's some secret passages that, that no one knows about. In the end, it was all a matter of timing. They were seconds away from dying. Right. It wasn't <clears throat> it was an unconventional kind of battle. These aren't, these aren't people you're fighting. These aren't people you can intimidate or fool or scare. This mm. is just death mm. coming for you. There's really nothing, you know, a witty man can do, you know, to, to, to get out of those situations. And I think that's that's what they were feeling. And in that moment, who knows if it was like a foxhole love. But I, I really liked how they, they teased the idea of, I mean, Sansa said herself, you were the best of them. <laughs> so, and he's like, oh, that was a terrifying thought. But, you know, maybe I they could. I think it's deeper than that. Well, it's, yeah, it's they've been through survival. a lot, and it's about mutual respect, and it's a pragmatic relationship. She's Lady of the North, he's still a Lannister, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, um, and he's Hand of the Queen, she's kind of Hand to John in a way, I mean, I know. Yeah, I like what says. Kristen said about Littlefinger-esque, you know, she's kind of the new Baelish. But yeah, Baelish. they can be the new power couple, and I kind of like it. <laughs> what, what's interesting is Cersei, because of the loss of her family, is a strategist and ruthless and doesn't have the grounding still in love. We've seen with Sansa, she with scenes with Theon and then with Tyrion, and she John actually too. Has, has gained this hard side and this strategist side, but is melding it with a side of love. And I wonder if it's going to give her an ultimate strength. Yeah. I see a lot of conflict coming from this small scene in the catacombs mm. because Missandei doesn't know what John, sto- what John told Daenerys. And now Missandei has it in her head that, oh, look at Tyrion and Sansa getting a little bit close together. Oh, if only Daenerys wasn't here anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nope, maybe coming. Yeah, I mean, she even even yeah even Grey Worm said, hey, you know, after this, let's get out of here. Yeah. But Masande was totally down. She was like, I'll leave Daenerys. That's cool. Let's go to let's go Masande run away together. By her queen. Not. Yeah. Should we talk about the Hound protecting Arya? Yeah, let's talk about Clegane. I mean, you know, he is overcome a lot. Um, we still gotta see him do Clegane Bowl, and that's I mm-hmm. think his purpose. But ultimately, <laughs> we saw that he found a purpose in Arya and defending her like he had before. And I think that's a purpose that he discovered. And he also discovered that he could try to build anew, you know, with that church and that group of people who got slaughtered almost immediately. (laughs) Um, What's Clegane's purpose besides Clegane Bull and besides being Arya's ward? Well, we saw him kind of retreat. And he does this, he does this every single battle. We saw it at Blackwater where he's like, screw the king, screw the people, I'm out of here. And he he's always left. And it was Beric Dondarrion that was like, 
you know, tell her it's not worth fighting for. And he saw Arya needing his help. And finally that pulled at his heartstrings. And he faced the fire, which he's been scared of his Mm -hmm. entire life. So it was nice to see him finally get out there and see his purpose and see that he was needed. Because I just feel like he he hasn't ever felt that he's really been needed to have any sort of effect on an outcome. So it was nice to see that he really did. He protected Arya so she could get to the Night King. So... He came in, he found his purpose right at the right time. Yeah, it's never a good feeling to feel used. Like, you're Mm -hmm. just there because, oh, like, because I can swing a sword. That's really the only reason why I'm here. You know, ultimately, we had the living army, and the army was basically life versus death, but that wasn't enough for him. I know. He gave gave up. Death is coming. That's it. It's over. But to have hope gives purpose, I think, is. I think it was the closest our hound Clegane friend could get to expression of love. And I think for him, it was his way of saying, I, I choose life, I choose love, and I choose Arya. Yeah. That's mm. going to be on a bumper sticker someday, watch. <laughs> life, love, and Arya Stark. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you need in life. <laughs> um, great. Is there is there any other, before we get to our death pool... <laughs> well, that's what I'm so excited to talk yeah, about. Yeah, was there any other characters you guys wanted to touch upon? You know, um, anyone else who you think deserves kind of a, a little bit of a you know moment in the spotlight? Well, Melisandre is and Theon. They they have similar arcs. They were responsible for deaths and not not just moral failings, but evil. In that world, in a certain way, with uh, Shireen Baratheon and and a ton of stuff, uh, Theon both had some evil betrayal, uh, lack of studliness, and lack of courage. <laughs> he he had it all, and they each had the redemption factor of, of being major, major, major factors mm-hmm. in that battle. Yeah, they. Uh, it was a it was a culmination of a lot of different events coming into play. I mean, a lot of different destinies, so to speak, yeah. were all fulfilled. Right in this episode, we had, like you said, Beric Dondarrion. We had Melisandre and Theon Greyjoy. Um, and, uh... Melisandre. And Melisandre. Can't read well, that. Right. Real quick, I want to say, <laughs> yes. I, I know we'll see more of them, but I'm glad that we got to see snippets of Jamie Lannister still being alive and mm-hmm. in play. Brienne right. still being around. Tormund, yep. I don't remember if we saw it. Yeah, I think he's, he's still good. So mm-hmm. I do like the idea of bringing these characters to King's Landing. The most, you know, for Tormund, he's never been south. This is the most south he's been is to Winterfell. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what he's like in King's Landing. He needs some new clothes. Right? It <laughs> <laughs> should be interesting. Um, and we'll get more of those interesting tidbits and snippets in yeah. our last segment called predictions that we do at the end of every episode but for now which is kind of like uh, somewhat of a prediction type game we're gonna do death pool death pool pool. now a lot of people at home have been doing this especially Mm -hmm. i mean throughout the series but especially this last season because hey you're either gonna live or you're gonna die. There's only two options in this Game of Thrones series, right? So, my Kristen, friend, tell yeah, us about yours. My friend Paul Kim, he has put together a mortality Game of Thrones. Who you think is gonna die? There may or may not have been money involved, mm. uh, but you had to pick. And we had up a picture of all the characters of the show that you could pick from. Mm-hmm. And then we basically, out of those characters, we picked seven that we thought would die by the end of this season. So if we go to the next picture, you'll see all of our mortality pulls 
uh, the seven everybody thinks is going to die. So my seven, particularly... Yes, tell were, us. Who's going to die? Well, Melisandre. So check. Hey. Got that one right. Hey. Ding, ding, ding. And then also... Get some more candy. I had... Yeah, I want yeah. more candy, guys. The <laughs> Night King. Check. Oh! Wow. That was on my list. Yep. Now, was that a bonus pick? Was that one of those Some of had... them had, like, plus twos and plus threes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then well, you were just two for two. And then also, I said Theon Greyjoy. Oh, three for three. Three got another three. one. And then my other ones were sort of for like the rest of the season. So I say that the mountain's gonna die at the hand of the Hound. Okay. So that one is hopefully coming up the Clegane Ball. Mm-hmm. And then I say Jamie's gonna die, obviously because I want. Arya to use his face to okay. kill Cersei, who is also on my list. I mean, she okay. has to die. Is she like the biggest episode, like the biggest enemy overall? I feel oh, like yeah. she's the bigger enemy than the Night King, really. I mean, that's not what we wanted that's what to That's what today think, proved, yeah. She but, is now. Yeah, she yeah. is the, the last enemy standing. And so that's it. So, oh, and Euron. I also predict that mm. Euron. I mean, he's kind of with Cersei now, so he's just got to go. Yeah, he's got to go. So hopefully I win this thing. I'll let you're you guys know. On, <laughs> you're on the list. Oh, I see what he does there. I can't. You like that? Yeah. Okay. There it is. And I also I also have one with my friends. My friend, uh... Charlie put it together is basically are they gonna listed all the characters are they dead are they alive by the end and also he put in will they turn into a white oh that was really underplayed so many people were conjecturing for a while who will we see turn and like actually maybe take action and and kill someone that we care about everyone was dreading Hodor and we saw Lyanna Mormont Mm -hmm. but just turned briefly right we didn't see her do anything the most significant person we saw in battle was Dothraki horseman number one the guy that (laughs) essentially the guy who has been at at Daenerys's right hand but has not spoken a a line in English that was Mm -hmm. the most prominent person we saw turned into a white but 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 they just kind of stood around so we saw that when Jon Snow was surrounded by these they were just kind of standing there and I think I think that the reason that was is because the Night King is is kind of like a it's kind of a hive mind situation where he's actively kind of controlling what these whites do and don't do and I think in that moment he was just really like no like everyone just chill I'm about to kill the three-eyed raven no one mess this up no one right. do anything weird and so well, his focus was on that. I'm definitely going to have to watch it again to see if like Ed is in yeah. the mix well, or, or one of those Maester people. Maester Lewin um, the maester of the Winterfell, I feel like he was risen from the crypts because it was a maester. You could tell the by robe. what they were, the robe yeah. that they were wearing. So that's the only maester that I know that was in the crypts of Winterfell. So pretty sure Maester Lewin was risen. All right, guys. Mm. Um, f- yeah, check that out. For for um, Jeremy and AK, I'm just going to give you a few names, okay? Because Kristen and I have already kind of done mm-hmm. a death pool. But I, for this, <laughs> I'm going to give you a few names, and you're going to tell me Dead or alive by the end of the series. Okay, and we're going to keep them recorded. And if you guys win, I'll get you some chocolate. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Gilly. Well, uh, dead. Dead. Alive. Ooh. Okay. She, she's very resourceful. Okay. She's made it through a lot. I don't she, even she's think had the it'd be worth journey. it to kill her, really. I think she'll be. I think you, Sam has to lose everything. She's the, mo- she's the mother of Actually, the new Night King. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? 
I mean, technically, it was Craster's children who yes. became White Walkers, and she has the mother of the last oh. Craster's child. So, very good okay. point. Actually, Kristen, what do you think? Gilly, dead or alive? Yeah, she's alive. Okay. It's not worth killing her in the last... We've got three episodes left. We need to kill the most important characters and focus on their stories. Excellent. Moving on. Braun. Braun. Oh, I think he lives. Kristen, alive for mm-hmm. you? If Tyrion lives, am... Braun lives. They go together. Alive. Love okay, I'm going the other way. I am going to say dies because Saving he's period. the ultimate survivor, and he if he does like a, a, a Theon move in some way, that would be pretty awesome. So, and also I need to get some points against you. <laughs> <laughs> he's not killing Tyrion, and I stand by that. I've been saying it since episode one of the season. I do not see Bronn killing Tyrion. No so, way. all right, very good. And our last name, Gendry, dead or alive. <sighs> Alive. I don't think these characters are important <laughs> enough to I'm die. I'm going to say dead. Kristen's, no one's dead. dead. And you're, and you're like, dead, no. dead for AK. Dead because, dead. I don't know, the Baratheon, ch- I don't know, there's something in there where we just got to clean up. We got to get rid of all ties to the throne. Mm-hmm. Poor Gendry's out. I like that. <laughs> I like I'm Gendry. saying clean alive up. as a kept man. Uh, I will call yes. you my lady. Oh. <laughs> so he's going to like that lifestyle. Arya is going to protect him is what you're I thinking. I like that. She's not letting. She's, she's protected him th- this entire couple seasons. I yep. mean, so many times, mm-hmm. the everyone wanted to hunt him down, and she was always like, "You want Gendry? You got him." He loved that helmet. I mean, so many times, and <laughs> yeah. she escorted him outside the castle using Jockin to help her get out. So, she's think, gonna protect him till the end. Do you think uh, Arya? Just side note, real quick. Do you think Arya's gonna have herself a little Baratheon babe, little baby, little Baratheon baby? Is Arya pregnant? Oh, she could be pregnant. Think about that. I like don't see that. Uh, she's too young to me still. I I still am not over the sex scene. I just yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, Wait, I, I heard in junior high health class you can't get pregnant from the first time. Is oh that not my true? God. <laughs> not true. Okay, let's. I don't know, uh, but you know, I uh, I was I was curious about that. <laughs> That's also, what guys will tell you at night also, in the bedroom. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I never really looked it up because whatever. But I think that might have been a body double. I don't know. But, but you yeah. know, right. Oh, so I'm told don't it was worry. her body. Really? Yeah, yeah I was she told did it an interview. was her body. What? She did an interview and it yeah. was her? Yeah, yeah, it was her. Oh, oh I read something else saying it was. That's false information. Good on her, then. Good on her. Yeah. Um, she just didn't want to show too much, which I'm is, happy she did. I was did. talking to a buddy, and the reason why he binged the whole thing, like, he's like, it's... It wasn't. It was too soon for me because I started the series like two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden she's like having sex, and I think still see her as like a little nine-year-old. Like he girl. hasn't grown with her. Yeah, exactly. Over like, the years. I'm like we've been watching the show for years, years and years, so it's a little easier. But for him, he's like two weeks ago she was a little girl. I don't, you know. Um, but all right, guys, thank you for playing this round of Death Pool. Special segment. We will revisit this particular Death Pool, and we will tally your points if you. Uh, by the end of the series, we will find out who wins the mm, padded throne <laughs> that, that we're sitting on. Um, uh, guys, the, the three names were Gilly, Braun, and Gendry. If you'd like to play along in our death pool, please comment along, shoot us a tweet, whatever it is that you'd like to do to play along with us. And, and we'll tally up you, too, and we'll, we'll read yeah. out, you know, who wins from the comments. Yeah, it's, it's awesome when you guys discuss, because most of the time you bring up stuff we never even thought of. It's, it's really great to have you actively involved, so thank you. Um, so that was our game, Death Pool. Let's go into a little bit of news and gossip. 
My news is yes. really quick. It's just got, dealing with the battle. It's the longest battle sequence in cinematic history. It was yes. 750 people, 11 weeks to shoot in Grulum freezing night shoots. Mm. So there were epic stares, epic songs that we all commented on, the heartbeats. I mean, it was just incredible. But they said it was awful shooting. 11 weeks. 11 they, weeks. They said they'd have to be up all night long. They'd go to sleep at like 5 a.m. and have to wake up by noon and be ready. But it, they said it came wow. across in their faces and in their performance that's, how like tired and exhausted they that's were. That's almost three months of just one battle sequence. Yeah, yeah. That's longer than what it takes to film most films. Yeah. Usually films, could, you can get them done in a month and a half. Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty crazy. Not fun to film, but very fun to watch. Yes. Thank you, Kristen. And we have more news and gossip anyway. Jeremy. Yes. So the Game of Thrones prequel, we're all, you know, very checking out the news mm -hmm. items, seeing what's mm -hmm. coming up in that. Uh, we have news that Naomi Watts, of course, has been cast. Cool. Uh, I saw the one of the first places they'll be filming, and I believe this is a new place, but the Canary Islands okay. in the Atlantic, off the coast of Africa. Also in Harper's Bazaar, they're talking about other uh, possible prequels, and that uh, May Bornstein, uh, Max Bornstein, the uh, screenwriter for Kong Skull Island and Godzilla, is in talks or in the works oh. of maybe doing something. So might that be something some that pulls in some, and some dragons yeah. Yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and then Brian Helgland, who won the Oscar for L.A. Confidential, but then yep. won the Razzie for The Postman. <laughs> He's also uh, working on something. And Carly Rae is working with... GRR, George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, she's a writer from The Leftovers and the show Mad Men. Ooh, so uh, what might, what directions might that take? We'll see. Very All cool. Right, well, yeah, my... a big eclectic mix <laughs> yeah. of different yeah. cinematic backgrounds. A lot of drama, a lot of action. All the best stuff. Maybe a romantic comedy in there somewhere. I think <laughs> yeah. there you go. Exactly. Why not? Thank you, Jeremy. All okay. right, for my music lovers out there, this is really exciting. So Columbia Records just released an album inspired by Game of Thrones. It came out on the 26th. And get this, it features all of the most major artists coming together. Mm -hmm. We've got Marin Morris, The Weeknd, Mumford & Sons, ASAP Rocky, The Lumineers, like all these different people. Wow. Ed Sheeran. Wow. Ed Sheeran. Is he in it? I don't see him on my list, but <laughs> He has been in the past. He Travis wasn't Scott, getting the love. Ty Dolla Sign. <laughs> he had a song. He had one. And then Florence yeah. and the Machines, right? They yeah, did so the ending credits for so episode two. They covered eight. the song Jenny of Old Stones, which we saw in the episode, and then it was sung by Florence and Machine during the end credits. Um, so yeah, you guys can go on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. It's called For the Throne. Really amazing, cool mixture of all of these musical celebrities coming together for Game of Thrones. There's okay. like there's like two or three good songs on it. I'd say download the songs you like. I listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Did you really? It's more. Oh. Yeah, it, it's not the best. Oh it's no. It's more about how epic the show is to bring in all these people because you don't have mm -hmm. this type of talent on one album typically. Yeah. And so it just goes to show in its final run. Season eight, mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, still having the power that it had season one, and just being just this epic show that every single person wants to be part of in some way. I love Very the Lumineers, cool. so I'm definitely at least gonna listen to that one. Yeah. I want to hear Podrick sing again. <laughs> That's just me, though. He's going on still tour. Alive. He's still alive. You might get it. I want before it before the, the end of the season. I see. I want it. I like it. I got it. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for the news. That's all exciting stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, let's talk AfterBuzz TV. Predictions. Predictions. 
Guys, I think... What do you got for us, Kristen? Tell us. I think us. Danny might let Sansa stay in the north. I mean, I would like to see Sansa be tactical, like you said, and help with what Cersei's going to do. But I don't know. Someone does have to stay in the north. And she was constantly asking Danny after this what happens in the north. So, you know, Danny might just give her what she wants, even though I think it would be nice to see her help with dealing with Cersei because she's the only one that really knows what's going on and mm -hmm. can predict Cersei. Basically, don't believe Cersei, but I don't think there's going to be any more correspondence happening. I don't think there's going to be any more truce. I think they're just going to go down there and rip her out of her throne. Roots and stem, Root Danny says. Roots and stem. So, yeah, and Cersei's death is coming. I want to see Clegane Ball. I think Euron, he's going to hopefully die. Mm -hmm. And so is Jamie. But you think Sansa will stay and rule in I, the north? I think she's staying in the north. Somebody has to. We've okay. got a lot of cleanup to do. You okay. Wait, Kristen, you don't, you don't even think Sansa's going to go to King's Landing for this other war? You think she's going to stay or she's going to go and then go back? I don't know. Wow. It's just someone's got to stay. She was so focused about what's going to happen in the north. I'd love to see but her she go. She hates Cersei and she wants revenge and I she know. thinks that she deserves power. You think Danny tries to leave Jon there? <laughs> no. No. John's not staying. No. If anyone stays, it'll be Sansa. Yeah. No he, one's staying. Somebody has to stay, guys. <laughs> no she needs staying. another like, dragon fire. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm not Dario Naharis. You can't just leave me behind. Oh, there that. has to be a stock in you, the north. That's true. Bran. Yeah, well, Bran's not really Bran. You guys don't think we need him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> King's Landing doesn't have ramps. Oh. <laughs> okay. oh. They go. Oh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just gonna no. ride over that one. Yeah, same. No. Uh, Jaden, predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, what you got for? So us? it doesn't work if you say Grey Worm's gonna die. That's the most used up prediction ever. Which, by the way, he defied that logic. Yeah, he today. Did. He did. Um, it's interesting. This whole root and stem thing. Who do they have left? It'll be interesting to do the uh, count of the armies. But mm -hmm. we're out of the realm of magic. It appears of of the Night King coming down and mm -hmm. a Melisandre and her magic being expressed, and it's back into the world of politics, which was such a big part for so much of the show. And now we're back to the realms of betrayal. And I'm wondering if some people were lining up and getting ready to battle because that, that enemy was coming on. But you guys know in the preseason show, I made a prediction that within Danny's inner circle, there was a betrayer. Mm. And maybe I'll re... State that as, as my prediction. Can I recycle one? Say it. Let's hear um, it. I, I think Missande might be a betrayer. Everything has been too easy along the way with her, mm. between her and Danny. And I think there were some events like the the uh, evacuation of Casterly Rock and the perfect position of the great uh, of the Euron Greyjoy fleet to take out mm. the leadership of Dorne, etc. So I, I, I think... That betrayal could be revealed soon. Okay. Hesitantly predicted. <laughs> Jeremy Dan. Miss Sunday's a betrayer. Uh, Kristen. Bold. With it's, bold. So it's a bold, bold move, Cotton. We'll see how it plays out. Kristen predicting that uh, Sansa will rule the North and well, AK. Well, not maybe rule, but stay there and get things in order. Okay, okay, okay. Sansa's stay behind. bringing her butt to King's Landing. There's no way this girl... <laughs> She's backpedaling a little bit. No, little no, bit. no. There's no way this girl is going to miss out on one of the greatest wars of our time, aside from, obviously, the long night and this war, but... And she knows Sansa Cersei. Sansa knows Cersei in a way that no one else does, and this is the time that everyone should be listening to Sansa, including Danny. I think we're going to see another... Even though in the preview scene we see Danny 
you know, raising her goblin, saying we're gonna have this war with Cersei. I do believe. We're, I know where's the pimp cup? The imp cup. <laughs> imp cup. The silent, imp cup. Silent P. Well, silent P. Raise it up. I think that this is the time where Danny, if she's smart, will depend on the people that know Cersei the best. That would be Sansa, Jaime, and Tyrion. Um, to that point, mm-hmm. I do think that Jaime will die at the hands of Cersei. A little different than Kristen. Um, Kristen's saying it's going to okay. be Arya. I think it's going to be Cersei. I think we're going to really see what it means to have Cersei have no children and have no... The only thing ruling Cersei is power. And So Jaime's dead. Cersei's dead. Yes, and I will say, don't forget about Yara. They kill each other. Don't forget about Yara and the Iron, the Iron Islands. They're I think that she's gonna come in to plot to fight with the Golden Company, and it, there's gonna be some some war on the ships. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. My prediction is Sansa and Tyrion are getting married or staying Again? married. I don't know. I want them together. I'm shipping them. That's my prediction. Are they she annulling the annulment of yeah. the annulment of the annulment? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> well, already annulled. We'll have to find out next week. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching. My name is Ryan Milati. You can find me everywhere at Ryan Milati. To my left. Hi guys, I'm Anna Kay. Thanks for being here. Stay in our live chat throughout. We'll be reading comments. You guys can find me on Instagram at Anna Kay Thomas. Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Dan. I am hiding. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and you can follow me at Cinematic Escape. Always a pleasure speaking with you guys. Can't wait to read your comments. Cinematic Escape. Thank Cinematic you so much Escape. for joining here at the AfterBuzz TV studios for Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. Valor Magules. Valor de Harris. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.